what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Continuing our discussions about using technology to manage your personal finances, we talked this week about how to send, share, or receive money online. Different online services that allow you to do this, some pros and cons of each, and we even muddle through a little bit of an explanation to the best of our ability of cryptocurrency right here on Brothers in Tech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am a media producer in the eastern side of the United States. And with me on the other side of the country, but virtually here over the computer screen, is my brother in tech, uh, Brian Jackson. How you doing, Brian? Good, 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 Alan. I am uh, excited to be here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm 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 I am excited to you know have our weekly chat on uh, yeah. on technology and although I, I will say this uh, this particular topic uh, about money is something that can also be a little depressing uh, when you start thinking about how little of it we have. But yeah. well, we are, last episode, if you recall, we talked about how to manage money. That was yeah. that was that the was, depressing part. Well, that's true. That's true. This yeah. is all about. Sending and receiving money, which you know, <laughs> yeah. the sending part I'm not crazy about, but I love the receiving part. Um, yep. So we'll talk about that, that here in a moment. Brian, I, I always feel bad. I, tell tell the good people what you do. <laughs> hmm. Well, obviously, I've already said I don't make much money. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, um, we've already identified that on, on our yeah. Episode. Well, hence I'm in education, uh, so oh, I am there a, you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> now it all comes together. No, I'm a uh, I'm a professor of kinesiology, uh, which is a study of human movement uh, at Pacific University in Oregon, mm-hmm. and uh, my work as a consultant with a, uh, a sensory assessment and training uh, technology company called Synaptic. Mm-hmm. And uh, have all sorts of fun side things that I try to get into, photography and yeah. tech consulting like this, and and right. basically carrying this podcast. So those Which are the do, things that I you do, do nicely. Well, because basically, I want to give everybody a little behind the scenes of how we normally do these episodes. So uh, Brian has a very nice uh, Apple Notes <laughs> document with hyperlinks and articles linked. He goes and researches. And I get little notifications that Brian's updated that document and put more notes and information on there. Um, and that's, he does a lot of work on that. Uh, me, I roll up to the computer about five minutes before recording time and just glance quickly at the notes my brothers put together and said, oh, yeah, I can talk about that. And mm-hmm. then we, we start recording. That's that basically, about right. that's that basically about right. the show right now. And that's a, tonight's no exception. I, yeah. <laughs> well, let, well, let's expand that a little bit, Alan, because right before you clicked record, what was it you asked me? You said, Brian, if you ever want to do the intro of this. And I thought, my God, am I going to do everything now? <laughs> that's the one thing that you do. <laughs> 
It's true. Just, yeah. just the one part of this that you intro, do. And technically, what I could do at that point is I just hit the record button. <laughs> And then I can sit and do some other stuff for uh, half an hour or so, and then let you just let me know when you're done. So yeah, yeah. No, now, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I like to think I contribute a little bit. I'm more of the. I I come in as the person that has questions, <laughs> so I'm gonna be the one asking you questions about it. No, actually, that's not. You true like going that. off. You like going off the cuff, and that's that's okay. I and I actually, the the topic today is one that I'm gonna go ahead and say. I think, and I think I speak for you as well there are some elements about this that we are still learning as we go because some of it we're going to get into is some very high level tech stuff happening, but let's try to talk more about things that everyday day-to-day people are going to experience. And that's as we talk about digital currency. So the idea of digital money, basically um, how to, to exchange money, send and receive money between people electronically using digital tools there are some services and tools we're going to talk about that you've probably heard of. Many of you have probably used before. Yep. But we want to give a broader scope on what those different services are, what your different options are when you want to send somebody money or receive money. And we are going to tip our uh, dip our toe into the idea of cryptocurrency a little bit too. Yeah. It's probably something you've heard about. I'm guessing many people listening probably haven't spent much time doing anything with cryptocurrency, but probably because they're in the same boat we have been, which is we are in more research mode trying to understand it than actually actively using it. So we are going to get to that a little bit later in the conversation, but let's, let's start off Brian and talk first about the idea of transferring money from one person to another. Okay. We talked about managing our money last week on, uh, on using technology. Now we're talking about sending and receiving. Um, so, Let's let's start off. I mean, let's go kind of ground level, Brian. Where do you want okay. to start with this? Well, okay. So let's 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 take a hypothetical situation here, right? And something that probably never happens, where I want to give you money. Okay, <laughs> I will go ahead and say, in the forty six or seven years that you and I have coexisted on this planet, I don't think that's ever happened. No, nope, so. there you go. So yeah, let's just let's just throw this hypothetical out there and say, Alan, I want to give you money. Okay, now. Okay. As most of us know, we've already talked about uh, online banking last time. So mm-hmm. if I want to give a company money, that's a different yeah. story, right? You go sure. on and you say, there's the business and it's all kind of uh, insured in a way because it's going through your bank. But if I mm-hmm. just want to give you money, now you and I are on a different sides of the country. So the old standard way of giving each other money uh, isn't very efficient anymore, right? I can't just walk over and give you cash. Nope. Okay, I could send you cash in the mail. Okay, and probably up to what would you say? Up to hmm, five five years ago, maybe I would send you if you know if I was giving you your kids something yeah. for uh, for the birthday, I would send them cash or I'd send them a check. Sure. Yeah, right. And that's the way it was done. So therefore, you had this delay where the cash has to get to the person, um, or you have to have physical connection there and. You know, and sending things in the mail always made me nervous, right? Well, Cash was never something you wanted to do. And check was something that just took a long well, time. It took extra I mean, effort, Think right? about the times. I'm sure most all of us have had at least one experience or more of a check that didn't arrive, got lost in the mail, maybe yep. got misplaced. And then the whole process of having to go and cancel that check, run the risk of somebody figuring out how to deposit. It's just, it's, it's fraught with issues. I mean, I know... I know some people are going to say that they don't trust online yep. banking or transmittal serve of funds, but I, I honestly feel better about it 
than I did writing a handwritten check and dropping it in the mail. So, um, but you're right. That was the kind of the more traditional way until just a few years ago, really. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Because that's we didn't really have great tools for transferring money that either didn't charge an arm and a leg to do so or required a lot of work, like a wire transfer. You know, that's probably right. the closest we had was like a wire transfer you do at your bank. Yep. Um, it was expensive. It's expensive and time. time consuming. Yeah. And yeah, you had to be in person. You had to show mm-hmm. ID. You had to all of these things. Right. Which which yeah. at the time, again, was, you know, I, I look at it this way. And if you think back, you know, 50 years and, you know, our grandparents. Right. They would have thought, oh, my gosh, let me do the cash. Right. And it was yeah. probably a big push for them actually going to this check saying, now, am I assured that if you give me a check that I'm actually getting that money? Let's walk to the bank together to make sure I have my cash in hand. Um, So we're always kind of comparing it to what we had previously. And for me, you know, I felt better about a check than in in the mail than I did cash. But then I certainly don't feel good about the check anymore, right? Because I I feel like it's just uh, way too much time and effort. And Checks cost money, right? You have to buy the check, checkbook, all this sort of stuff. So, so now we've got lots of different services um, that are basically taking that process and making it digital to where I can go on my phone and I can say, Alan, I'm going to send you money digitally, um, which means that I'm going to take probably money that I have in my bank mm-hmm. and I'm going to transfer it to a you know, a service that's then going to transfer it to you. So then you could put it in your bank. Um, So making that digital transfer. So we've got a couple of different ones. Um, I thought we'd talk about kind of these three that -hmm. I think are probably the most popular right now that are all similar and do the same thing, but have slight differences. So Venmo. Just go ahead and clarify with all of these, all of these still require a bank account. To uh, be some, connected yes, to, to some degree, because correct. again, money has to come from somewhere. It's going to come from your bank account, or you could use a credit card or other card, but it has to come from a source of your fund somewhere right? to go through this tra- transfer process, no matter which of these we're going to talk about here in a minute. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, we're not to the, yeah, we, we, we are not to the point where I can take a picture of a dollar bill and right. it's sent to you, right? Mm-hmm. Now I can do that to put it in my to put it in my uh, account, in I can pay a, yeah. a picture of the check, but I can't just give it to you that way. But yeah. a company like Venmo mm-hmm. comes along and says, hey, we want to be the way in which you can give money to someone else, person to person. So I want to give money to you. I create a Venmo account, right? For those of you that uh, haven't done this yet, it's an easy, it's a free account. You set it up, but you you have to connect a bank account, which of course is how it's going to get its money. And then you then connect with other people via their account number or account name. And so if I wanted to send it to Alan, I would find out what his account name is, type in the account name, say, I want to send this much money. As long as I have that money available in my account, it it sends it to him as part of his Venmo account. Mm -hmm. And then he can take it from his Venmo account and drop it right into uh, the bank account. So that whole process has gotten to the point where it can take two days maybe yeah you know for a day to go a day to to get to you and are out of mine and a day to get back into yours so uh pretty seamless um so it's person to person um 
it's not really made. So let's talk about some of the differences here. So we've got Venmo and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about PayPal in a second. We're going to talk about Apple Pay and then we'll we'll mention another one called Zelle. But Venmo really is the person to person. That's really all it's supposed to that be. That is what it's designed for. Yeah. You could not go to a store and, and you, buy something at Venmo. the store using your Venmo account. Your Venmo account is truly for you have a bank account attached to it and you're going to now contact somebody else that has a Venmo account and send them money from your bank account yep. to them. Yeah. And that is, I will say right now, I think it's probably the easiest way to do it. it, it they've kept it simple. They've kept it very straightforward in what they do. Um, and again, we'll restate it's free. It is a free service. If you're using a debit card or checking account as your source of funding. Now, I think, Brian, you said your notes because you do such great notes before these sessions <laughs> that um, you could also connect it to a credit card. In other words, you're drawing money from a credit card, but it's going to charge you money to do that. It's going to charge you a percentage fee. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can you can use a credit card, but it's there's three percent fee yeah. on that. So. So basically, if you have, you know, if you're going to send somebody one hundred dollars for some service and at least as long as you have at least one hundred dollars in your bank account that you're linked to. You send it to them in the Venmo app. They get notification that, oh, hey, I, Brian just sent you $100. And that money is there now in your Venmo account until you go in and initiate a transfer yeah. back to your own personal bank account to receive it. Um, and that's important to note there. Well, that's one thing I've noticed yeah. Venmo, and I think these others are kind of the same way. They don't. They really heavily promote you trying <laughs> to send people money, and they'll really heavily promote when you receive money but they don't heavily promote you withdrawing the money right. into your own checking account. Now, so, Alan, why would that be? Why would well, that be? I think it has a little thing to do with interest and ways that they make money because if they're not charging fees for these transfers, they're banking just like a bank is. You're counting on the idea of money sitting in that account for a day, two days, three days, whatever it may be, earning a little bit of interest along the way for Venmo. Yep. So, that's just one thing to keep in mind. It's caught me a couple of times. Actually, I, I logged into my Venmo account the other day because I know somebody sent me some money and I'm like, oh, I actually have a lot more money in there than I realized because I just forgot to go in and transfer it after somebody sent me some money. Again, I've never seen Venmo send me a note saying, oh, hey, Alan, by the way, you've you got money got $100 hanging there. in yeah. your account. Right. They, uh, they're happy for you to kind of forget about that for a while. Yeah. Um, Yep. So and that, and that may be somewhat to. frustrating uh, to understand yeah. from people. And it certainly was for me. I was like, why, why is this not automatic? Right. Why don't I have a checkbox that says when it comes in here, I just want it to go straight to my account. But that's exactly why. And you may get caught up kind of like I have before and say, oh, you know what? I'm using Venmo a lot. So when someone pays me, you know, for something, uh, I'm just going to leave it in there because I may need to pay out of that anyway. But keep in mind, there is absolutely zero fee or zero problem with it pulling from my mm-hmm. from my debit. So there's no reason to have a balance in there. Yeah. Okay, The only reason to have a balance in there is if you said, uh, I've got a problem with my checking account and yeah. I, you know, I'm overdrawn over there or whatever, and I don't want to have to to go a certain number of transactions. I don't know if you have a minimum or a maximum number of transactions for some checking accounts. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't want to hit that if you're constantly doing Venmo. Or another reason I could see possibly leaving in there is if you know for a fact that within the next couple of days, you're going to be making another purchase through Venmo to somebody else. And you don't want to go through and say, well, I'm going to transfer it to my bank account. Cause it could take up to two or three days to get that yeah. transfer to your bank yeah. account. 
And then you have to go right back and pull it from your bank account again. If there's some reason the, the timing of the transfers doesn't work out. Yeah, I can see there that. There may be some value leaving mm-hmm. it there if you know you're going to be making another purchase through Venmo. But otherwise, I'm with yeah. you. I, yeah. I would rather it automatically transfer, but it's not going to. So right. I just have to be remindful that when I see it hits my account, I just go ahead and go to my Venmo account and say transfer it. Yeah. Now they do. Uh, the transfers are free, but they do say very publicly that if you do the free transfer, it may take one to three days. Um, if you need it immediately done, transferred like within that next day, you can pay a fee to have it done like an instant transfer. Yeah. So it's another source of revenue for Venmo. But if you needed something that day and that was a critical large, large, uh, large amount, it may be worth it for the fee. But most of the time I just right. hit the free free transfer and within a couple of days i normally see it in my account yeah i've never done the instant uh i didn't see the need but uh it well and you can understand why you can understand why they would want to do that because if they're doing instant they truly are front loading that or somebody's front load and someone's someone's you know fronting you the money because it hasn't had a chance to go through the system yet so that's right so i just uh, one thing I'll, i'll mention again i kind of breeze by it but do keep in mind that if you're on a, let's say you have a simple checking account um, and some checking accounts will have a max number of transactions that you can make in a month before they start to charge you. You know, I've seen those before where this says, oh, it's free up to 15 transactions and then it's $5 a month if you go beyond that or something. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. Every Venmo is a transaction. Mm-hmm. It's pulling it out. And then if you're also depositing it back in, so just keep that in mind. That may be a reason why if you're someone that, I mean, you know, if I, if I had a college student and they knew they could do everything they needed to do through Venmo or PayPal or something like that, maybe just keeping that money in there is fine um, and paying it out rather than worrying about dealing with a checking account that may have uh, fees. So, so that's Venmo person to person. Um, very reputable, very safe. Yeah. I, I think I've got extreme confidence using it. Uh, we yeah. pay, I pay some people that even though they're companies, they just have a personal Venmo account for the owner of the company or the sole proprietor of the company. And sometimes they do, we, you know, we pay for services through Venmo. Um, absolutely. Which you're uh, not supposed to do, but you're okay. just suggesting. I'm not, I'm not naming can. who's doing okay. it. I'm just okay. saying some people do that. <laughs> some people do that. Um, I, I don't do it. Um, <laughs> But um, <laughs> yes. the, the biggest thing you see used for, you know, you go to you go to dinner with someone mm-hmm. and they need to pay you their part of the the dinner. Yeah, uh, they could do that right away. Uh, you sell somebody a friend something and they want to mm-hmm. pay you the money back, whatever it may be. Yep, it's a very convenient, easy way to go. So. Super, yeah, super simple, super clean. Uh, I would say if you don't have a Venmo account, get one because it'll at least uh, give you the ability and you won't be that person, right? When you say, Hey, can I pay you? I don't have cash. Um, it'd be nice to be able to actually get that rather than uh, having to wait. Yeah. One note on, on the whole Venmo thing, just for those of you that are uh, married, uh, two people using the same bank account, uh, you can only have one Venmo account attached to Mm. a bank account. Oh, that's good to know. So the idea that, you know, I, I found this out when I, I had a Venmo account set up and then my wife wanted to get one set up. And she was trying to link it to our bank account because we have a joint checking account and it won't let you do it. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. So that's, uh, be mindful of that. At least that's the way it was when we set it up a mm-hmm. while back is it would not let us set it up. Now you can set up with a different, uh, and it's attached to a phone number. Like you have to use a mobile phone number to verify. So, um, 
So again, if you're using a joint checking, it's a problem. Uh, you'll need yeah. to keep that in mind uh, unless yeah. they've changed that recently. But, no, I think I think uh, you're I think you're you're still right. My wife and I share a Venmo account, yeah. um, but again, I would say if you share a checking account, might as well share the Venmo, right? Sure. It's kind of it's yeah, kind yeah. Of in the same place. You share and, the same login and password yeah. for the for the account for Venmo is fine, but. Again, if you were just looking to have those kept separate for different transactions and different record keeping, it's uh, yeah, it won't be possible with the same checking account. So, Alan, let me mention one more thing that's unique about Venmo, and I cannot figure it out, is the whole social aspect to it. Mm, I, 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 have, I, I, have, I have zero understanding of why this is happening, right? Why is it that I need to see on my homepage of Venmo that to a person that I know paid someone else for something. Why do I need to know that? I know the reason why it's there. I don't like it, but I get why it's there. Uh, What Brian's referring to is when you log, if you've never used Venmo, when you open up the app to use Venmo, the very first thing you see, like I think the default view you come to is a list Mm -hmm. of any people that are friends of yours uh, on your social network connected that are also using Venmo and what they paid to someone and for what reason. Now you don't see the amount. I don't think you just see the, uh, Joe paid Nancy, uh, for part of dinner, you know, and they can use little emojis and they can use little other things to symbolize it. Um, when you make a transfer or make a, a, a send somebody money on Venmo, you have the option of it being public or making it private. I make every one of my transactions private because I have no interest in sharing that out. Yes. But if you leave it public, then people will not see the amount you send, but they will see that you sent some money to the other person for whatever you put in the memo field for vacation, for dinner, for whatever. They do that because the idea is that when you hop into Venmo, if you start seeing a list of people that you know are using it for a lot of different purposes, it's more mental encouragement for you to use it more often too. Hmm. That's all it is. Because once you hop in there, you're like, oh, I didn't know that my cousin uses Venmo or my my best friend does. Or, oh, hey, somebody just used it to pay for uh, a massage. That's a really great idea. Maybe I'll do that with my uh, my masseuse or whatever. That's the kind of idea behind it, I think. It's a, trying to build a social aspect around trading money. Um, yeah. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm still too private with that. So I wish you could set the default to private to always be private no matter what. But um, it's a simple one click of a button to make it private. So. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what it does for me yeah. is it just sends, it just gives me a reminder every time I open it up to make sure that I put mine private. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what that's it true. does for me. Yep. Right. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah. Let me, let me just, I, let me just give you an example here, Alan. I'm, I'm not going to say who the people are, but I just scrolled through this to see who's paying what to who. And I see so-and-so paid so-and-so for rent bitch. Okay, that's what's on there, right? Another one that says, um, this one is paid to so-and-so, and and there's a little picture of a toilet. Hmm. That's all that's there. Just a picture of a toilet. Just a picture of a toilet. Now just leaving a lot of So-and-so paid so-and-so and and toilet. And the interesting part is there's there's a heart underneath it that tells you how many people like that, and there's like three people that have already liked that. See. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know why you would like the toilet. Uh, I don't know what the toilet means and I'm not sure what it was supposed to mean for me seeing it, but, um, yeah. I can say all I know is that I know for a fact I'm 
not going to be putting any mine public. <laughs> so well, I also think it was something Venmo when they trying to break into the scene that something that kind of set them apart and made them a little unique is the whole social side of yeah. trading yep. money. Um, again, I don't see the value, but I understand why they do it from a marketing standpoint to try to yeah. get the attention. Obviously, it's work because I know a lot of people using Venmo now. Yeah, so. yeah. And just be careful. Realize that if there is public, then yeah. you got to be careful about what you're putting in there. By if default, you put, it's public. So yeah. by default, it's public. So that means people yeah. will see who you paid and for whatever you wrote the reason for the payment. They won't see the money amount, right? but they will see the uh, the memo and who you yep. sent it to. Yep. All right, Brian, so that's Venmo. We're fans. Venmo. We like Venmo. But let's yep. talk about some of the other options that are out there. So uh, you had PayPal down. So PayPal. PayPal is another service people could use, right? Yeah. yeah I think PayPal, Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, PayPal came out before Venmo, right? Oh, yeah. I think PayPal's been PayPal's around, been around a really long time. It was yeah. really kind of the first easy ways to buy things online by yeah. linking your checking account. Well, PayPal was spun out of eBay. So eBay kind of developed PayPal as a way for people to transfer money uh, through eBay. So th- I think what eBay realized is, hey, s- people are trading so much money by buying things left and right on our site. How great would it be if we had a service where people could connect their bank accounts money comes from their bank account into their eBay account or PayPal. PayPal is used to buy your eBay stuff. And of course we make some interest off of it and we make it easy for people to do all their, their banking that way. Yeah. And they're skirting around, skirting around the credit cards, right? The credit cards that were making the, I mean, if all those transactions were, you know, when you go to a, when you go to a business and they say, we don't have, we don't accept credit cards. It's because to accept credit cards, you're paying Fees fee. to, to accept it, right? So, yeah. Well, they, PayPal basically was making it easy to link your bank account to make purchases without having to infer the, incur yeah. credit card fees. Because before this, credit cards were about the only way you could pay for stuff online. You had to use a credit right. card. That was even before debit cards became really, really popular. Well, and credit even card when, was the only way. Yeah, and even when a debit card was around, it had to be a Visa or MasterCard or something right. attached yeah. to it, right? Yeah. So so PayPal kind of grew out of that need with eBay, but then it did spin into kind of its own thing. So yep. it's very similar to Venmo in a yep. way in that your money is linked to your bank account, your account is linked to your bank account. You send somebody some money, whether it be a business or an individual. Uh, it's drawing money either from your PayPal account if you have money in there. And if it doesn't, it draws it from your bank account you're linked to. And then when somebody sends you money, it goes into your PayPal account, which you still have to manually say, withdraw and send back to my bank account. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same idea. But what's the yep. difference, Brian? How is, how is PayPal a little different than Venmo? Well, I don't know the fundamental underpinnings of it, but it's, it acts the same way. It's just that I think PayPal is designated for you to actually have the option to pay for goods and services. Right. Right. So you can pay businesses with PayPal. Uh, You can't pay them. Honestly, how it's more used. Right. Commonly. PayPal. I mean, I don't know anybody using PayPal to send each other money on a person to person basis as much. There's ways to do it, but I just don't see people doing that. They used to. But then yeah. Venmo came around and now people would rather use Venmo. PayPal right now is more of a, I want to buy something online and I want it to come through my checking account or I don't want it to use a credit card. And PayPal is a nice, convenient way to do that. I use yep. my PayPal account to buy it and you're good to go. Um, now, PayPal is also kind of rolled into a little bit more banking services as well. 
and that you can actually have a PayPal credit line. You can have a PayPal um, credit card, you know, have it all tied together. So it's, it's a little more of a bank now than Venmo is uh, in a way by providing other services and ways to use their, their, their accounts. Um, I do know a lot of people still use PayPal to buy products and services from businesses online or even in person. Sometimes I've seen that still too. Um, but I just don't see it as much anymore. I haven't received a personal PayPal transfer from anybody in probably a, a few years. So. No, I haven't either. I haven't either. The only time I've used it is when there's some sort of business associated with it. Now I will say really quickly, Alan, just to make sure we're, we're covering our bases. So Venmo also now has the ability to get like a debit card. Okay. I didn't okay. notice so Venmo that. Venmo has a debit right? card now often as well. Where you okay. could say, Hey, I can, I'd like a debit card. Now realize why they're doing that. They want you to leave the cash in there. <laughs> if yes. you leave the cash in there and make your debit card, your place. So now Venmo, I could go up to a counter and pay for something. I could go to a restaurant and pay for something with my Venmo account. Um, and it says, you know, no monthly, no minimum fees. You know, there are some cashback things. So they're trying to dip into that. The fact that if you can keep your cash in here, we'll give you a way to spend it, more ways to spend it. And therefore we can kind of earn yeah. from that as well. So, well, if you think about it, a service like to, Venmo, if yeah. you take a service like Venmo and even PayPal or so, uh, what what is the what what are now the gaps from them becoming a full banking system? Um, Venmo you can't use to buy products and services from a business. You can't do any in person purchases, right? So everything has to be peer to peer, and it has to be online trading of money in, uh, virtually. PayPal is a little closer. I have seen some places where you could go and yep. you know buy, yep. enter your PayPal account number at the register and use PayPal to buy things in person. And you can absolutely use PayPal to buy things online. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So they're getting closer to, yes, the encouragement would be just put all your money into your PayPal account and use it for everything. Yeah. But you can't pay for everything with PayPal. I can't pay my city water utility bill with my PayPal account. You know, so there's still some gaps from having these become a full banking service for you. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So then right. that's the, that's the two I think that have been around a little longer and, mm-hmm. and fairly well known. And then there's Apple pay. Now, yeah. You and I are both Apple fans. We've made no mm-hmm. uh, apologies about that and kind of have accepted uh, that yeah. being out there. But Apple pay is something that came around. What? what Three or four years ago? Three or four years, I believe. Okay. Yep. And basically, that was a big thing a, to, mm-hmm. to say that they were going to give you a way to pay with your phone or through digital kind of currency. Um, you know, up to that point, I think you we had Apple um, Apple cash cards, which were things yeah, like you had a sure. gift card given to you and you had Apple mm-hmm. cash to use like you would a Starbucks card or something like that. But then they started saying, well, we can actually provide a banking system. Right. So Apple Pay now will do the same thing that PayPal and Venmo will do together. Right. It pretty Mm -hmm. much does can do the peer to peer and it can do the pay for goods and services. The benefit there of something like Apple Pay is it does one step further and that you've got lots of places that will accept credit cards but will also accept Apple Pay uh, as a payment at a uh, at a kiosk. Right. Right. So the way Apple Pay is working, you know, if you have an Apple product, an iPhone, iPad, 
that has the wallet you know, capability on it, meaning it can be used to make purchases either online or you you also link it. You have to link it up to a bank account, you know, just like PayPal, just like Venmo. So, and if you go and make a purchase, it's going to pull it from your Apple Pay money or it'll roll and pay it from your bank account if you have your bank account linked. People can send you money uh, through their phone, pulling up the wallet, uh, going to Apple Pay and say, I want to pay somebody 20 bucks for dinner. I'm going to send it to them. It is a Apple to Apple service. So you have to be sending it to somebody else with a iOS or Apple device. Um, can't send it to somebody that has a, an Android phone. They're not going to be able to get it. Uh, so that's one kind of caveat with Apple Pay right now. But it does build up a, a funds for you uh, on its on your Apple Pay account. Those funds, it does build some interest, I mean, to some degree. I mean, it gains on money if the money's sitting in your account for a little bit, right? Does it? Uh, yeah. I, even if you don't have the credit card itself? Yeah. Okay. That was I, didn't my, know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I believe the Apple Pay, like if you put money into or you get receive money and you leave it in there, it actually grows a little bit over time. Hmm. So, um, so they're, again, they're encouraging you to leave the money in there. Um, you can set it up to have any of your Apple related expenses paid out of that account. So like, uh, you know, if you uh, are a subscriber to Apple music or something like that, you can set it up and say, I want that to come out of my Apple pay account automatically, as long as you've got money in there. But you have to be linked to a bank account because if you don't have money in your Apple Pay account, it'll use your your bank account as your funding source for it. Um, now, Apple rolled out a credit card as well to be kind of tied in with Apple Pay, meaning you, you have an Apple card and they can kind of all work together in your Apple wallet. But, uh, but as far as the digital transfer of money that Apple Pay is, I'm encouraged by how much more ubiquitous it is. Uh, we see it a lot more places. We see it a lot of, I see a lot of uh, vendors that can take debit credit cards now have an Apple Pay sticker on it. Mm-hmm. Um, grocery stores, other places, more and more are using Apple Pay as another way that you could uh, pay. So basically you could have your phone, hold your phone up to the uh, the uh, the terminal. And if it accepts Apple Pay, then it sees it. And I think you just have to, you know, authenticate it with your thumb or or face print, and yep. uh, it'll work. So, yep. Um, yep. It's or your convenient. watch, which is really cool. Yep. Yeah, the watch too. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's convenient. Um, it's Apple, which you know, it's kind of makes it make sure it works nice. Yep. Uh, but the fact that it's Apple to Apple, pe- person to person, is is a limit. There's a limit. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you've got a, if you've got a lot of friends or people that are not Apple folks it makes sense to still have maybe a Venmo account or a, a PayPal account as well. I have all of them. I'm sure you do as well, Alan, because it doesn't cost anything to have the the accounts. And that way, when someone says, you know, Hey, uh, can I give you the money for, can, can I split dinner with you? You know, what do you accept? You know, it's easy to be able to say, well, Venmo, Apple pay, whatever you want to do. Um, yeah, I do like the fact that something like Apple Pay uh, is kind of inherently built in with uh, a text uh, platform as well. So, Alan, mm-hmm. if I want to send Alan uh, uh, Apple Pay money, that I can just pull up a text and in that text kind of put a little widget that says um, I'm going to give him this amount of money and it sends it via text. He gets the text that shows that it's there, which means it's already going into his account now. Uh, little known 
thing for people, you can do this with Venmo as well. So if you have a Venmo account and you're an Apple person, uh, in your text, you can actually put in your little applications uh, how your uh, your messages applications where Venmo is there too. So I could still send something to Alan via messages uh, out of my Venmo account as well. So that's kind of helpful. But I think it's mm-hmm. it's super slick. Uh, it is still limited. I will say of of all the horrible things that have come out of COVID over the last couple of years, um, touchless payment. in using Mm -hmm. my Apple Pay is one of the positives Uh, because before that I probably did not use Apple Pay at a kiosk because I honestly did not like looking like an idiot Mm -hmm. and going up and saying, oh, it looks like it says you take Apple Pay and then you hold your phone up and then it doesn't take it and doesn't take it. And after a while, the person says, "Um, yeah, it usually doesn't work. And so you end up pulling out your card anyway and everybody behind you is getting upset. Um, Whereas... COVID hit and many of us stopped wanting to touch things, stopped wanting to 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 have any sort of touch associated with a kiosk. Um, so when I see something that's got the little Apple symbol on it, I'm very happy. Pull out yeah. my phone or actually on me, it's my watch. Double click my watch and hold it up there and, and pay. So so that's kind of nice. Um, you know, makes it super a, slick. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, correct myself. I did look uh, it up. I was I'm wondering. Wrong. I was wondering yeah. where you were going to. No, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. Apple. If you just use Apple Pay just to do cash transfer back and forth, it does not build money. It does not build interest or anything. That's if you make purchases on an Apple Card, then it builds up your daily cash um, in your Apple Pay account, so it adds money back. But that's only if you use it for with an Apple Card. My apologies. For anybody who in the last five minutes ran out and set up an Apple Pay account really quickly to make all this money. So you've had like $5,000 sitting in your Maple account just waiting, (laughs) just waiting for something to happen. (laughs) Um, I do apologize if anybody got blindsided by that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't think any of these will earn interest. Now, I would say that would be the next competitive thing Mm -hmm. is, you know, if if Venmo says, hey, the only way we're going to out or uh, beat Apple as being the peer to peer is if you keep your stuff in there, you get 0.05% yeah, interest per, per month or something. Far right? lower than what they're making off of it. Of but course. To, yeah. to try to be competitive. Yeah. yeah. And then, they, you know, I know just like credit cards have, have had promotions in the past of saying every time you purchase so much on your card, we'll add this much back in cash. Yep. Same idea. It's all incentives trying to get you to use their service. The difference here is that, None of these we're talking about are you adding credit. You are using money you already have in a banking account somewhere, and that's where it's drawing from or that's where it's going to ultimately put the money back whenever you're uh, not using it. So, Yeah, Yeah, Alan, so so on that note, I do think – when I was preparing, and by the way, preparing is what you do when you actually think about the episodes in advance. Um, right. When I was yeah, preparing I'll, for this. I'll make a note of that. <laughs> yeah. um, I was thinking back to like, what are the confusion points that I've had using things like Apple Pay and Venmo and all of that? And uh, I have to say, there is there is confusion about Apple Pay. Um, you know, I... Uh, our father and I have exchanged money back and forth on a couple of things since we're across the country now. And I look at it and say, well, what's the pain point here? And trying to explain that that wallet that shows the Apple card that has maybe a balance on it, 
is going to be different than a gift card that's also in there from Apple that shows there's a balance. There's also when you go to pay someone, if you've got $100 sitting in your Apple Pay because you haven't transferred it yet, you know, knowing kind of when is it coming out? How's it how's it being pulled from? Uh, if I go online and I choose, let's say I want to buy something, um, say I want to buy something from a company online and use my Apple Pay, you know, I'm checking out and it says, hey, you can use a Visa, MasterCard or Apple Pay. Realize that's going to come out of the credit card. Okay. It, you know, you can, you can have information, you can have money in there, but you can also then use a credit card associated with that to choose Apple Pay. Apple Pay just the, becomes the vehicle of taking money mm-hmm. from your credit card. But right. if I pay you, Alan, it's not going to come out of my credit card. It's going to come out of my debit card. So Apple Pay then kind of requires two cards. It requires your credit card and requires your debit card, or at least can take two cards, right? You could just have everything from your debit, but mm-hmm. you can't, I can't pay you with a credit card, right? right. I don't think that's avail- That's allowed. Um, Venmo, well, I know Venmo now that you could put it in because we said you could do a 3% fee, so you could yeah. potentially do that, but. Yeah. yeah, it is a little confusing. I mean, again, yeah. Apple's kind of entering the banking world with Apple Pay and with their Apple credit card service. And it does get a little confusing because there have been some times where, like you said, I I have got my checking account attached to Apple Pay, but I've also got a credit card attached mm-hmm. yep. to Apple Pay Yep. As my primary service is like an American Express account I use to kind of roll those funds over. And I wonder sometimes if it's made a little bit intentionally uh, difficult because that there's a better chance there'll be money just sitting in there uh, in the accounts right. for longer periods of time. Right. Um, which again, I had the same experience with Apple that I did with Venmo. I happened to look in my Apple wallet just not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, Oh wow! There's a lot of money that was there I did not know was there, and yep. it's because people have paid me, and I just never thought to, to move it out. Yep. So that's one thing I would say to anybody that uses these services: is keep in mind these services are making money, and they make money by your money sitting in their bank, even for a short period of time. Right. So it is it, unless you have a reason to leave the money in their service because you're going to use it quickly for other things, or you just like it being in one place. Otherwise, you're helping them just build more interest off of your money, and it's money you don't have as easy access to as maybe you would in your bank account. Yep. So yep. just get in the habit of transferring it back out whenever you're, you're yep. not needing it. So. And, and a real simple example, right? I have, let's say I have $100 sitting in Venmo, $100 sitting in PayPal, $100 sitting in Apple Pay. I have $300 to my name but I can't buy anything for $300. (laughs) I can't send someone $300 because it's divided across three different services. So if you were to pull it every time and then put it back in your, your checking account for $300, you can pay any of those services for $300. So I think that's really important to remember is that when it sits there, it's not doing anything for you. It's not helping you unless, as you said earlier, there's a real timing issue where, okay, by the time it transfers back, I'm not going to be able to use it. But um, so I just, yeah, we try to get in the habit of transferring that uh, as soon as we get it. So Alan, I wanted to mention one other um, mm-hmm. service and and this is a service I I knew of, but had not used until about a week ago. And uh, we were uh, selling, uh, selling a vehicle to someone privately and asking for a, a down payment. And she, and they said, well, how can we give you this down payment? Of course, 
because by no means would we have thought cash or any of that anymore. And I said, oh, well, we've got Venmo, we've got PayPal, we've got Apple Pay. And she said, oh, what about Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E? And I said, of course, being the tech person, I was like, I don't have it, but I'm intrigued. I will I will get it. <laughs> I know all about it. I just, yeah, I just I haven't, haven't signed up yet. Yeah, let me, I haven't let me go performed do that. my typical tech quality right. check to ensure it's a good right. quality. So I went quickly and looked up Zelle, and it turns out Zelle's actually kind of interesting because it is the same thing as Venmo in that you're paying person to person, except the the Zelle account or the Zelle service lives within your bank. So Zelle is a bank-to-bank, peer-to-peer money transfer. It is not Mm -hmm. something that you can buy services or buy goods with. Uh, It is built in or baked into a number of different uh, online banks or banks that uh, have this service. And so what was interesting is that I went to sign up for Zelle. And as I sign up, the only way you sign up is you you go to their go to their page and you click in it. First thing it says is what's your bank? Mm-hmm. And so I typed in what the bank was. It says, you already have it built in. I said, mm-hmm. oh, really? Okay. So I went to the bank. Sure enough, in the left-hand side on the online banking app where normally you see things like transfer money, pay bills, there was something that said, you know, transfer money via Zelle. And so uh, I went back to the person that was buying it. I said, well, yeah, Zelle works. I've never used it, but I assume all you need is my phone number. And sure enough, she all you needed my phone number or my email address that happens to be associated with it. And it was transferred immediately. So mm-hmm. I saw that money come over immediately. Um, and, uh, and therefore, there was no middleman. There was no sitting in a Venmo account. It immediately got to my checking account and was mm-hmm. usable. Um, so I didn't have to worry about transferring any of that sort of stuff. So the benefit of that is if someone you're transferring money to someone who has this service, it is immediate. It's going to be right to you and it's being FDIC insured, meaning the banks are handling the money rather than it pulling it out, going through Venmo and having Venmo potentially make some money. Right. Now, Zelle obviously is making money by working with the banks. They have some sort of agreement, yeah. but the banks are trying to get away from you putting your money in Venmo. Yeah. They're trying to keep you keeping your money in the checking accounts. Well, That's I mean, where they make their money, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's all about who's sitting on the money for the longest period Correct. of time. So the more that a PayPal or Venmo has money sitting in their accounts that should have been in your bank account to begin with, the banks are losing out to some yep. degree. Yep. So yeah, this is their way of saying, hey, we've got a way you can send somebody money and it's bank to bank. It's clean, simple, efficient. There's no fees involved or anything else. You just have to be with two different participating banks that are uh, correct with Zelle. Correct. Um, that's great. You know, yep. just know that it ha- it has to be tied to your bank account. It is a bank to bank. You can't use credit card. You can't use other other funding sources for it. It's truly just bank to bank. But hey, if I mean, if your bank supports it, and the person you're wanting to buy something from or get money from supports it on their bank. Sounds like it's a perfect solution in yeah. those situations. Um, well, in a sense, this truly is the cashier's check. Yeah. Right? This is the cashier's check. If I give you a cashier's check, it means my bank has ensured that that cash was there for this check. Mm-hmm. And when you accept it, 
your bank has to accept. You can't go use a check somewhere else. You have to deposit it, right? So this really is the digital version of a cashier's check. It is insured. It is it is guaranteed. It is kind of protected. Um, so yeah, I mean it. It was it was nice. It was nice to have another option to do that. And so I'm I'm a big fan of having all of them as long as they don't charge me a, an actual user fee or a member fee. Mm-hmm. I want all of these services. Now I want to have the ability to get money from someone and I don't want any limitations there um, or to be able to get the money rather than having to go and pull money out. Like we talked about last time, which is barbaric. So, so so a couple of things to know about any of these services, I think things to keep in mind just before you decide if you're going to, I mean, again, there's no downfall in having all of them active and on, right? Because none of them are charging you fees to use their service. Uh, it gives you the greatest flexibility depending on who you're needing to get money to or from. It's kind of nice to be able to say to somebody, hey, do you use Venmo? No, you don't. Okay, how about Apple Pay? No, you don't use Apple Pay? Okay, well, what about does your bank support Zelle? I mean, it's all these things. It's nice having the options. And as long as you're not having to pay for them, yep. it's good to have them. Just sign yep. up for them. But some things to keep in mind, um, you know, fees are only, looks like they're only going to be really applied if you're using some of these for, uh, paying for a good or service that has tax involved or, or so forth. So person to person, there's still no fees unless you're using a credit card on Venmo um, as your funding source. Um, but I think, uh, you know, you also have down that there are limits, you know, to keep in mm-hmm. mind too. Right. Daily, weekly limits, just like a bank may have as far as how much you can technically transfer in and out of your account on a daily or weekly basis. Uh, there are limits on some of these services. I know that, we ran into limits just kind of dealing with some stuff uh, a few months ago, Brian, you, me, and family members yep. Yep. moving some things around. And there is a certain dollar per day per transaction limit yep. Like yep. on Apple Pay or with Venmo or some mm-hmm. others as well. So, um, Yeah, yeah. And, and realize this can be really frustrating. Uh, so let me just throw an example out. If you said... Uh, okay, I'm, uh, I, I need to transfer $10,000 from me to, to, to Alan, right. That that's a transfer that needs to happen. However, whatever reason, whatever, you know, the, the, the rationale for that, but you say, instead of me and getting it to you quickly. So instead of me sending you a check in the mail, I want to send it digitally. Well, you're not going to be able to do that on one day. Okay. I don't know any of these services that will handle that. I think the max that I have seen, I think one of them might've been 5,999, but I'm pretty sure like Four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine, about five thousand dollars, is right around that daily max, and and also keep in mind that that even if you look it up, and I was diligent about this, looking up what's the max per day or per week for Apple Pay, it'll give you numbers, but then there's always the asterisk at the bottom that says, but your bank may have a limit that's mm-hmm. outside of our limits, right? So your bank itself may have a three thousand uh, dollar limit per transaction or per day or per uh, per week. So keep that in mind. There are limits. So if you're talking about big transactions, um, you you need to pay attention to that because you're you're going to be sitting around waiting for the um, wait. And the other piece is if you don't look up those transaction limits, you'll run into what I ran into, which is I try one, it gets denied. I try a lower number, it gets denied. I try another one, and then it says too many attempts. Call your bank. Yeah. And right. it kind of flags you, right? So you need to find out those things in advance to know what can I send. Basically, if you're going to be looking to spend or send somebody or receive more than 
I'd say more than I'd say more than three. I, I haven't seen anything that's been limited yeah. at less than three. But yeah, you need to check what service you're using and check what your limits are, and yeah. be, and check be with careful your bank. about running up against them too many times, like Brian said, or you could yep. get blocked for too many transactions. So that's right. it's important to note that. That's one yep. thing you don't have to worry about with the check. You know, you send a check, it can technically be about as big as your account will support. But yep. that's because the bank has to go through a whole process of validating that the money's there before they let somebody actually receive the money. But these transfers, they, they're meant to kind of start the process going pretty quickly. And they will check immediately your balance and whether or not, uh, or what the amount is you're trying to send. Yeah. And block you pretty quickly if you if they don't support it. Yeah, and let me give you another uh, quick little just note and limit. Uh, and I just realized this the other day after using Venmo, PayPal, Apple Pay for lots of different things. But for note taking and for after the fact, going back and trying to remember what your different um, transactions were about. So I went back and looked at the last year because I wanted to do some budgeting to try to see what was going out. Apple Pay has no notes to it. So that's a problem to me, right? If I look back and I see a transaction of $200 here, a transaction of $500 here, there's no note associated with Apple Pay. So when I send you money, I can't tag it and say, uh, this is you know, for uh, the toilet uh, image that I saw earlier with Venmo, right? Whereas Venmo, at least I can go back and see any note that I put with it so that I can try to remember what it was for. So that's a limit of Apple pay. I think they, they, I'm guessing they'll probably fix that pretty soon. Um, that just seems like a pretty easy thing to do, uh, that yeah. when you send something in Apple pay, give an option for comments or notes mm-hmm. or tracking or whatever. Um, but that's currently there. So if you're someone who's using this, not that you'd be using as a business account because there's all sorts of other limitations here. But if you're using this constantly and you want to go back and try to track some things and go, Hey, did I ever pay you for whatever? And that was supposed to be $30, but maybe you've paid lots of $30 fees. You don't know which one was, which Apple pay is not going to really allow you to, to see that. So, and then the other thing I think you mentioned already, Alan, but I, I wanted to just clarify if you're using PayPal specifically, when you check out at PayPal and you say, I'm sending it to this person, I didn't realize this until someone actually told me on the other side, but there's an option at the bottom where it will say, when you're getting ready to, to process it, click whether it is to friends and family or click whether it is for goods and services. And mm-hmm. if you click goods and services, there will be tax and fees associated with the person that is uh, receiving mm-hmm. that money. Yeah. So I learned this the hard way by selling mm-hmm. something online to somebody and they asked if they could pay. It was just something through, uh, I think it was through Craigslist that we talked about it before. And next thing you know, you know, I realized I got a pretty big hit on, um, on fees, on taxes because they put in there, it was goods and services, which it technically was. But yeah, so now the right. idea is to, should I, should I be paying those fees and taxes or should I maybe claim mm-hmm. that if I, you know, do that, uh, a lot during a year. So just be aware there's an option as you're checking out as to whether this is for friends and family, which there's no fees or whether it's to goods and services to a company, which there would be fees. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the four different services we wanted to talk about as far as ways to send or receive money digitally. But again, all of them require some funding source behind them, like a traditional funding source, a bank account, credit card or something else. Because we're still dealing with banks in all these situations. Banks still ultimately have the money <laughs> sitting there. Right. 
that we have to pull or use or borrow from. Um, so let's let's talk. Are we ready, Brian, for this talk? Yeah. I don't know if we are or not. I don't know if we are. I honestly not, don't. I may. I, do I need to go fix a drink? I may need to go fix a drink. Um, we're going to talk about cryptocurrency because what this does is it takes everything we just talked about, this idea of money that is digitally being transferred, but that everything we've talked about so far is still rooted in the banking system, traditional banking system. Traditional Banks currency still and, ultimately yeah. have the money and uh, they are regulated. Government is involved in the currency and, and regulating the currency that we use. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all it is is this now added a, a digital layer on top of a traditional banking relationship where now we can take money and send it digitally through a variety of different services and, uh, and easily and quickly uh, more than we ever have before. Cryptocurrency there, Brian, is, is different <laughs> in that it is a form of digital currency. It is digital money. It is what can be used to buy and purchase things. Um, but it is, uh, gosh, where do we even go with this? It is not run through banks. It's not managed by any right. banking system. Right. It is not managed by the government or regulated by the government in any way. It is a peer-to-peer um, digital currency platform. Mm-hmm. The idea is that you can own uh, units of cryptocurrency, whether it be Bitcoin or there's other, other variations of it. But they all work the same way. You can own units of this currency and you can use that currency to buy things from people that accept that type of uh, online cryptocurrency. But it is no, never touches a bank and it never goes through any regulation, government regulation. It is a true peer network of people building an online currency. How am I doing so far? That- yeah, well, I'm I'm just sitting back and letting you sink or swim here. But I think so far you're you're swimming. I think it's okay. okay. Um, All right. So from what I yeah, what I understand, it really is. It's it's taking what is cash and the typical cash and banking system and creating it. So let's just at a, at a low level, let's just say you and I, you and I give each money each other money and services back and forth constantly. And and you and I say, you know what? Why do we why do we let the banks have any part of this whole deal? What if you and I have marbles and we just exchange marbles back and forth? And when mm-hmm. I give you a certain amount of marbles, it's worth something. And when you give me them back, it's worth something, right? We created our own network of currency, right? It's like it's a, a trade trades, you know, that used to happen, yeah. right? It's, we kind of set version. our own standard that the marble is what we're using to mm-hmm. to trade with, and it's worth a the, certain. The marble thing. has value to each of us. And instead of going through a bank, uh, like a middleman, we are just transferring that, that, um, unit of currency of those marbles between us. Yep. Yep. Okay. And there's a, there's a limited, uh, or at least currently limited amount of marbles. Now they can be, they can be more marbles built and more marbles created, which, you know, we'll maybe briefly talk about, uh, this whole mining and kind of creating of, of new blocks and all that sort of thing. But the idea is that, okay, the bank's never touching this. The bank's never telling us what we can and can't do with our marbles, right? We're going and using this. Now let's assume that we have a bunch of friends 
and we've all decided, you know what? Hey, listen, we have a plumber, we have an electrician. We, love marbles. <laughs> we, we all everything. we all have a, a set of marbles that we are exchanging back and forth. So if I need the electrician to do work, I give him a certain amount of marbles and he's got now more marbles that he can then play the plumber, plumber to do whatever. All of a sudden we could create our own system, right? And yeah. that's what has been created with cryptocurrency. And instead of that physical marble, which can be lost, which can be uh, you know, potentially duplicated easily, you know, uh, they're creating digital versions of this thing, which in some people's head, they might think, oh, well, of course that can be replicated or stolen and all this sort of stuff. But no, because digital security has gotten really, really, really good, mm-hmm. each el- element of this currency has this long chain of digits that's associated with security of it, right? So the idea is that everything is there and we just get to assign who it goes to and what it's for. And um, yeah, so this became really exciting for people who wanted to, one, I think they wanted to kind of give a middle finger to the government and say, you're not dealing, you're not handling my wealth anymore, right? We're Mm going to kind of create a way that you're not profiting on what we're doing. Um, and then also, I think it was you know it was tech built, well, right? So well, know, it's 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 the most grassroots type of banking you can deal with, and that it's not banks. You, you don't have that middleman. I think is what was also appealing to a lot of people is to say, why give my money to a bank and they're just going to make money off of my money, right? And then I have to use them to pay other people. They're just profiting off of everything that's going in between us. This is all digital now. So it's no longer you needed a bank because the bank had that nice big vault and safe and would hold cash and coins and certificates and keep everything safe. With it all being online, it's just I think it's like every other type of media. We're saying, why why do we need the middleman anymore? Why do we need to use somebody as an arbiter between us? Um, yeah. You know, if I want to buy a, a music CD, uh, uh, some music directly from the artist, why do I need to go through a record label to do that now? That same kind of idea. And uh, we're just doing it with currency. Yeah. So now, Brian, I, I think question comes up. You know, what can you really do with c- cryptocurrency right now? Um, for the for the common general everyday person, not a lot. Okay, because right. you know, you ultimately for cryptocurrency to be valuable to somebody, you have to have somebody who was willing to accept crypto- cryptocurrency as a form of payment for something. Meaning they and have to see value in it, right? And right. so on and so forth. It, right? And a lot of places haven't got there yet. Yeah. Now, probably and most notably. I think Elon Musk, you know, a while back announced that either Bitcoin or one of those cryptocurrencies was going to be an accepted form of payment for like their cars, Tesla cars. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of thing more and more of these companies will start accepting cryptocurrency as a form of payment. And then when they do, that's when things start getting kind of interesting in this arena. Um, But the question I always have, and you, you touched on it earlier, and this is still the hardest thing for me to wrap around is how are how are cryptocurrencies created? Like how are marbles in our example created? Right. How do we right. get new marbles? There's no government to print new paper chat or paper money. How do these marbles, how are they not just arbitrarily being created and manipulated? So, yeah. Uh, and there is some logic behind it. Um, you want me to try a first <laughs> yeah, stab? Why don't you? Okay. I'll yeah. try a first stab. Yep. Go for it. So basically because there's no governing agency to manage this currency. There's no bank to keep record of everything that's going on. There's no government to manage the, the, the currency value. 
because it is a peer network of everybody that's on this network uh, on the internet using cryptocurrency, there has to be a shared record of every transaction that's happening. Okay. So here's the idea is that if your user, if you're Bob over here and you're, you're going to start using cryptocurrency and you, somebody gave you a, a unit of cryptocurrency and then you've got Jane over on the other end of the country and she's going to start using it as well for you guys to, if you guys transfer cryptocurrencies from one to the other, everybody else in the cryptocurrency network needs to know about that transaction or have some record of it yeah. because it's helping to manage how many units or marbles are out there in the wild and helping maintain what the value is of them. Okay. Yep. Yep. So this, these blockchains, these are the kind of these record keeping, you're adding more blocks to the blockchain of every transaction, every record going on. And these, these chains have to be available and shared across anybody who's dealing with cryptocurrency so that we can all kind of keep a singular look on what's happening in the, the marketplace with this currency. Um, so what I'm getting to with this longer explanation is the way new units of cryptocurrency are being created is that people who use their computing power, um, to help process those records and transactions. They're basically setting up computers to do nothing but just help process all these encrypted transactions and keeping record of them. By doing so, they're getting rewarded in cryptocurrency. So they're basically mining they're with their own computing power. And many people I've seen with dozens of computers just sitting in a room, just running these calculations all day long. They're mining new cryptocurrency units, new dollars, and in, in, in a sense, new marbles. And that's how they're being rewarded for the work that they're generating. Yeah. That's how new marbles are being entered into the cryptocurrency marketplace. Yeah. Um, now, already some questions I have with this whole process. Does that mean that those people with the heaviest computing power and uh, are going to be the ones the wealthiest ones in the cryptocurrency war over time. I mean, possibly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, they're the ones mining it. I'm not mining cryptocurrency. I'm not going to get a unit of cryptocurrency unless I transfer, change my existing money to buy units, right. which I can do. Right. You can buy, you can buy yeah. those things. But I'm right? still going to have to use money I already have. Yes. These guys yeah. are generating new money. money. They're mm -hmm. creating money. So yeah. there's something to be said for this is a currency that's going to be, more heavily controlled by those in the tech field than yep. maybe not. Um, well, and my other, my other, my other question, and I, I think I, I think I know the answer, but you know, in, in the United States, at least, right. As you said earlier, you just go print new money. Well, the government could say, you know what, hey, let's just print a lot of new money, right? All of a sudden, look at that. We're really wealthy. We have a lot more money. Well, the more money you have, the more cash that's out there, the less it's worth, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it's based off of something, right? The paper is just a representation of wealth. Um, so I think my question was like, well, if people just keep mining and creating these, you know, these blocks and these, you know, versions of the, the currency, does that mean it becomes less and less uh, valuable, as time goes on. But as you said, the difference is when I create the new dollar, if I go and print a new dollar, there's, there's no record of where that dollar's been. So therefore I know, you know, 
I could I could use it just like I would any other dollar. Whereas with the crypto, it sounds like when that is created, it is it has a length of mm-hmm. understanding of where it's been, what it's done, how it's exchanged, right? So there is always kind of this understanding of how much value there is yeah. in this uh, this currency world. So, I mean, I think it, if if you if you've heard a lot about this, um, but have not gone into it at all, like me then the, probably the first thing you think of is, oh, well, that was a that was a way people were gaining a lot of money up front. Initially, they were investing in these things, and then they were losing a lot of money. It was this volatile thing that was happening. And that's probably because people didn't understand what was going on. I think that's really right. a good sign of that. Everybody said, oh, this is the new big thing. I'm going to invest in it. And then all of a sudden, too many people invested in it, and it goes down, yeah. and then it comes back up. I do it think long-term, volatile. it is... Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I I think it's a very positive thing because it is separating the government from the currency. It's like, it's basically saying we're separating, you know, the, 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 the cash from the state. Right. So I I think it's very interesting. I mean, I will say that. And again, the proofs and the proofs over time as to how, how prominent it becomes in our, our financial society. I mean, I look at it this way. It's like, okay, if I've got, thousand dollars sitting here and all of a sudden I find that so many more people and companies and vendors that I would work with or get things from are accepting cryptocurrency. And I say, well, so I can take my thousand dollars of, of regular bank established cash and go out and buy, trade it for cryptocurrency units at whatever rate they're trading at. And as long as I can use those crypto units at the, for the same purposes I would have used my cash, then all of a sudden I have all the benefits of a cash-based banking system, but I've got complete control over it. I'm not having to worry about any middleman managing my money. Don't have to worry about any fees. Don't have to worry about any anything like that. It's kind of intriguing, but again, yeah. it, it has to be a situation where, you know, for it to become a predominant way we do banking, it has to be something where everybody has to be on the same page. Yes, this is now a, a currency we're all open to using. And not only open to using, point. but understand. Well, yeah. That's right, again, so it, what if, I'm just I'm making this up, and what if I said, um, hey, by the way, Alan, give me $100, and I'll give you 35 marbles, because that's what $100 gets you. And you may go, okay, right? But then if you happen to look online and you start seeing that to buy you know, a new computer, it costs 10,000 marbles, right? It's really hard for you to kind of understand, am, am I better with marbles or am I better with cash? And, yeah. you know, of course, the the computer itself is being bought and sold by regular U.S. currency. So therefore, mm. it's regulating its price based on the value of the dollar and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So I, I think I think, for one, it's super confusing to me to want to use it as anything other than investment. Like I could do it. I could yeah. see putting it as an investment and say, you know what, I'm going to try, see if we can make it more simple and see if we can kind of help get away, get around the the government. But I, I don't know. Well, I'm super nervous. Brian, I, 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 I always like to consider myself fairly up to speed on technology and new developments in the world. But. Um, it's something I pride myself on. But uh, I will admit, my 14-year-old son uh, recently opened up a uh, little investment account and found a way to buy some crypto units with, I think, 
$20 worth. He bought $20 of, uh, was it Bitcoin? I think it was Bitcoin. I don't know. And um, uh, within 30 days, he cashed out at $160. <laughs> hmm. So he did okay with it. Now, yeah. I still have no idea how it all worked, but I know that he was able to buy. And yeah, so I agree. From the investment standpoint, I think that's probably the more interesting side of it right now is could you put money into cryptocurrency and if you feel like that this is a form of currency that's going to keep building and gaining traction and getting a more popular, then from an investment standpoint, it could be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. But of course, just keep in mind that as compared to banks, these are not insured uh, oh, no. places no, you can't go. Ins- and if, if yeah. something happened and you looked and found that somehow your cryptocurrency was gone and you can't figure out where it is, there's not a whole Nobody, lot of places no, to go to, yeah. to, to get on customer service. There's right? no governing body. There's no yeah. o- o- overseeing agency or company that's managing it. I mean, it's, it's truly a grassroots digital currency. Right. And right. Um, interesting could be a prominent for us in the future. Mm-hmm. For right now, I think it's more the curiosity and more possible investment opportunity if you're so inclined to take a little risk with it. So, yeah. 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 Okay. I think we did reasonably well with that. I think we, yeah, I think we, um, I mean, as, we stayed within our, we stayed within our lane. I think it was good. Um, we, we, we were very clear on what we knew and what we didn't know. Yeah. That was and, the uh, dummy's guide to crypto and we, we covered chapter one. Out of right. 10, 10 chapters. So that's yeah. right. That's basically it. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be dipping into cryptocurrency again anytime soon. Maybe if it becomes more more popular or more right. prominent in the future, it may be worth talking about a little deeper. But for now, it's more of a curiosity uh, than yep. anything. But I do think it was important to mention because what we're talking about peer to peer ways of getting cash to to other people that is the that is the way that was you know, crypto was created, right? It wanted to be a peer-to-peer currency system that did not require banks and did not require government. So, yeah. Well, I think we've exhausted talking about digital currency. Um, I think, you know, we, we mentioned the four services that we feel like right now are pretty prominent for people to use to send or receive money digitally. Uh, all four of them are very reputable, uh, got good, repu- you know, strong companies. I think everybody should feel very secure using. Just understand the caveats, any fees that may apply. There are not many, but there are some places that some fees apply and the limits that you could face using them as well. Uh, we dipped our toe into cryptocurrency just a bit, just enough to get understanding how it's going to work. I think there will be some overlap between all this in the future. I mean, you got to think, the more we get used to paying and sending things on digitally, the more open we are to new forms of digital currency along the way. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think it's all pretty interesting yep. and yep. to keep, uh, keep watching on. Yep. If there was somebody, Brian, that uh, was listening to us, especially listening to us trying to explain cryptocurrency and said, boy, you guys are really wrong on this. <laughs> Which is quite possible. Clarify yeah. some things on that, or maybe tell us about some other, digital payment services they feel like are on the horizon that are uh, worth watching. How can they, uh, how can they go ahead and get a hold of us? Well, let me just clarify. We were definitely wrong, I'm sure. And someone can correct us, but whether or not people were actually listening, that's a different story. So, um, so I'd say uh, send us an email at info at the mesh.tv. 
to info at the mesh.tv. Uh, or if you'd like, I can give you my Venmo account and you can just send me, uh, send me some cash and put a comment in there. Yes. If you'd like, we'd like you know, everybody to experiment with different digital Sending payment cash. systems. Yeah. So we're going to give you all our Venmo accounts. We encourage you just, let's just try it out. Right. <laughs> just right. You know, send, send me a little toilet, you know, toilet, uh, emoji yeah. and whatever cash you want to send me and, you know, I let's think, just see if it works. Yeah. And I think to really test these things out effectively, I think it needs to be at least three digit, um, whole number amounts, you know, I'm or, if, or if you want to test the limits, right. We talked about limits, right. Go ahead and test and keep kind of working until you find that limit. We'll but, let you know if we get it or not. And that will be our test. There'll be yeah. validation that yes, we received your money. Thank you. Um, and in all seriousness, uh, you know, uh, please let us know any questions, thoughts, ideas you have on, on what we're talking about in our show. Yeah. I always forget to kind of set up at the beginning, you know, what we're really doing, but we're just uh, trying to be that digital resource for a lot of people, tech resource for family, personal, and home technology, especially those of you that uh, have family members who ask a lot of questions or need a lot of help with maybe some of their own tech that they get into, and you find yourself on the receiving end of those phone calls most of the time trying to help. Uh, I know that there will be a lot of questions from family members about how to pay and send money online, and especially cryptocurrency as it continues yes. being talked about in the yep. news. So hopefully this is at least a little bit of a, some basis to get started on that knowledge building right. uh, of how we can be of assistance. So. That's why I love, that's why I love doing this podcast, Alan. We, I mean, other than speaking with you, that that's kind of nice mm. too, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, everything we talk about is stuff that people are using right now and right. they should be using right now. It's not, we try to keep it within that lane. So, you know, that's the, that's the goal, right? Hopefully listening to this, sending this, sending a link to this podcast or telling, you know, your friends and family to, uh, to listen will be a way to hopefully clear up some of that confusion, um, without having to explain it yourself. So, uh, mm-hmm. feel free to share and uh, share away. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Let us know what else we can get into for you. Perfect. Well, listen, thanks everybody for listening to our conversation today about digital currency. And, uh, we will look forward to talking with everybody next time we get together. Take care. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.